When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bunch of dum-dums. They're making lots of money. That's all I know. TV pays lots of money, Kenny. Anyway, Mackie and Judd, good morning. Hi, Kenny. <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> wow. I mean, right? I mean, <laughs> do you ever talk to somebody in TV? You know what? Let's just change the subject. Okay, well, You started it. Actually, <laughs> ding, ding. we got Chip in the house here, and uh, we might have to give him a shot at the wheel here. Ding, Uh-oh. Ding. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, he didn't have it. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the perils of uh, inexperienced starters and, and you know, um, Mostly he's been good, but, you know, tonight was a hiccup for him. Just always a little bit uh, uh, concerning when he walked the first hitter on four pitches. And, you know, I think it took him 20-plus pitches to get his first out. We were in a spot where we had to try to give him a chance to get on track. It just wasn't happening there in the second. And, unfortunately, um, you know, they put up a touchdown. And we fought, um, you know, came close, had a couple of at-bats where we could have, uh, you know, Maybe change the fortune of the outcome, but it was too too big of a mountain. Chipper, uh, why don't you give the wheel of dysfunction a spin here? All right, are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay, okay, go ahead. Big spin. Okay. Nice arm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll start with this one. Oh. Yep. This this one right here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good ride for a while there for Fernando. <laughs> I bl- I was making dinner, turned around, and like Aaron Sleggers is in the game, and it's nine to nothing. I, what happened? I tuned into the game three times, so I, I went from hockey to baseball yeah. in the second, and saw it was nine rip. I went back at one point and saw it was like nine to eight, and then I went back and saw Casey had pulled away and gone up by like three, and I said, "That's it. That's my Twins." And then, so I have they, no uh, idea what happened. But they and so I I stuck with it because I don't know. Just it was on. It yeah. was on, and. Uh, and then going back and forth between the hockey game too, but they made it fun. It got yeah. to a nine to eight, and they had they had I think they had the go ahead run on second base at one point. It was mm-hmm. like oh they have two three innings to go here, and then wah wah. They're back to seven games below five hundred, and uh, now they're behind. They're a game back of Detroit in their division too. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it, you know, starting pitching has been really good up until last night, and then their and their uh, hitting has failed them. And then uh, boy, when you when you lay a clunker like that after two innings, you see it all the time where a team will fight back, but they get just close enough to keep you interested yeah. and make you think you're doing it, and then, no. Well, uh, two other things were announced, too. Buzz kills before the game. Uh, number one, Irvin Santana shut down. You saw his velocity and his command. He had uh, maybe like 50% strikes in a Fort Myers game, yeah. and his velocity was 88 miles an hour, and he's been shut down due to uh, the lingering discomfort or just the lack of... Feel for the ball. He's going to see a specialist, which means he ain't pitching anytime soon in the major leagues. 
And then this is Byron Buxton commenting, uh, commenting to the media after being DL'd again due to lingering toe discomfort. Uh, we all thought that would heal over time, and uh, it's just something that didn't, didn't do as we planned. And uh, you, you come to a point where it's a good stopping point for you know you, you and your team to, to try to hit up and you come back at 100. percent That's Byron Buxton with background noise, but word <laughs> is so word is I saw Doogie tweet this uh, that that Byron Buxton's been playing with a lot more pain than people know. That seems like revisionist history to me. He's not good enough to just be out there with excruciating toe pain. So I, this feels like okay, your toe still hurts, yeah, but it's not the only reason why you can't. Make solid contact right now. Yeah, and you never. It's a it's a slippery slope because you don't want to say the guy's not hurting and, and this is an excuse for why he's not hitting because I'm sure he is. But when you watch him play defense, he's still pretty darn effective defensively. Yes, and so for the sake of his mental health at this point, this might be the best thing. Just kind of step away, regroup, try to figure out how to get your swing, uh, whatever you have to do to fix that thing. And maybe he can do it on a rehab assignment down the minors. Uh, the Twins are doing the right thing here. But if they were being totally forthcoming about this, Byron Buxton is being placed on the DL. And the problem is he's broke. Yeah. He's just broke. This has, he was, the, the last homestand, he was asked almost every game that I went to about the toe. And he kept saying, it hurts, but I can play. And he made catches where he, he could play. And now they're trying to say, well, his at bats are being Im- impacted. Look, he was hitting before he, he got before he he was put on the DL the first time with the um, migraines in eleven games before then. He was hitting one ninety five, no home runs, two RBIs, and four stolen bases. So he wasn't going great guns. Since his return, it was sixteen games, one twenty eight, no home runs, two runs driven in, a stolen base. In 15 starts and 16 games. Byron Buxton is being placed on the DL because right now his swing is completely broke. And this is this is the smart move, but I am not for one second going to completely buy into, well, you don't understand his approach was impacted completely. I'm sure it affected yeah, him a little bit. It's, it's not zero. It's percent. not zero, yeah. but it's also not the primary reason why they're doing this. And it's interesting. When he's had struggles, remember he, he tried the leg kick. He tried the non-leg kick. He's tried different things in his career, so now you wonder if they're going to have to deconstruct this swing entirely and try something else with him is I can't even imagine what's going on in his mind when he you know right now I mean there's got to be a million things and he's just completely lost when he when he goes up to to you know to hit and so I think that's what more than anything I'm sure they said he's lost up there this is you know doing more harm than good than playing him on top of that, his foot is not 100% healed. Let's just get him out of line. Yeah, it, it's like both him and Sano have completely lost sight of up the middle and opposite field. Yeah. You know, and it, it doesn't... Now, not not to say that you shouldn't be trying to pull the ball to take advantage of power and thing, but like Miguel Sano, when he first came up four years ago, was driving the ball to right center field. He wasn't striking out this much. Byron Buxton, when he was... Just getting back into the fold last year and and figuring out his swing and it was it was compact it was up the middle it was right field it was line drive to the second baseman that was his strategy line drive to the mm-hmm. second baseman so I'm I'm with Judd on this I don't I think it's if there's a pie chart of Byron Buxton being put on the disabled list I would say maybe like twenty to thirty percent foot of course like his foot yeah, probably hurt, hurts his foot yeah. does hurt twenty yes. to thirty percent foot but, and then seventy percent broken swing how how long do you think before we see him again up here. I bet it's a while. At least, uh, least a month. Yeah, that's what I would say. And it's it's going to be a while. And if they're smart, at ASAP, he goes to Florida, 
and and on a backfield he goes out find and I don't care but with who who the person well if it's Ro- Rosen take him away from the team and have it but Byron Buxton needs to go work on redeveloping and calibrating that swing and he needs to do it not in games he eventually he does but what he needs to do now is get to a backfield in Florida with no pressure no one watching and and start to slowly but surely get his confidence back because right now chipper he has zero confidence oh, and the swing doesn't work without a doubt but it'll be interesting to see who they assign him to down there because I mean you have to have somebody that, that that goes with him and says absolutely this is the plan this is what you have to do to become a competent major league hitter you have to completely redo your swing and I don't know who in the organization that is. Is there someone in the minors that, you know, a roving instructor that they have that they can send down there with them? But it, you can't just, he can't just go on a DL, Not by, have, yeah. have a couple minor league games or whatever and think that that's going to solve. Right. He's got to do major reconstruction with his, wing, with his Hal, wing. Hal tweets in to the show a photo of the Bust Brothers giving each other a high five. Miguel Sano <sighs> and Byron Buxton. <laughs> this is so, it's so unbelievably sad right now yeah, well, between the two of them. And you know, the thing is, is, all coming up when we were told, just wait, just wait. Byron, Buxton and Snow, Buxton and Snow. Everybody looked at it through a prism of best case scenario. No one stopped and, and thought, what if these guys aren't saviors? Well, sure. was, we got so intoxicated by their potential that there was, we didn't even consider the fact that maybe they aren't as good or aren't going to be as good as we or have been told they are going to be. And I think if if one was playing well and one was busting, we'd be like, well, that's too bad. That's not good. Yeah. But the incredible th- thing here is they're both busting, and they're busting for completely different re- reasons, yeah. I think. Buxton is, is in his head constantly. The swing is broken. Fundamentally, he just looks completely lost. Confidence is gone. So, no, I have no clue what's going on there. And I don't think it's a lot. I, I <laughs> but I don't think that there's. I, but I can't. I can sit here and tell you what I think Buxton's problems are, and be confident at least that I know. With Miguel, I have no clue what's going on in that coconut. Is Roycey, Roycey wrote this uh, a couple weeks ago, I think maybe in a month, and, and I tend to agree with him. I think Sano just fell in love with the bomb. He, he he saw that he could hit you know a thousand feet, and now he's trying to do it every time up there and. Whether he's watching highlights or the snowing Twitter or whatever, and oh, ain't great when it's he hits our it. fault. Yeah. That's Mackey. Let, 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 let it snow. Let it yeah. snow. Yeah. Hit three years he, ago, you know, he hits it 450 feet. I think he fell in love with that too much, and yeah. now that's what he thinks he's supposed to do. Ding, ding. It is Backstrom to Eller to Backstrom. John Carlson on to Backstrom again. Has Oshie inside. It's been a cross. Star on Baskin on the pass across, and it's two. stop by Braden Holtby. It's an adventure right there to watch this. The puck goes across. Tuck has a wide open net and the paddle of the stick. Holtby. Classic wild player, right? Yeah. Can't, can't finish it. Can't, can't, can't finish on no the finishers. Finishers. Classic wild and, player. And Braden Holtby, thank you very much because if Alex Tuck scores that goal, oh. the discussion this morning is it's happened again. A yeah. player has <laughs> left us and he's gone to another team and he tied the damn game. That save by Holtby. And by the way, 
that is a save of the season. It's one of the great saves yeah. I've seen. But it is it is very much the definition of what we talk about when we say when we say Devin Dubnik's got to steal you a game. Yeah. And people are like, okay, what what does that mean? What that means is you make a save that you have no business make. That that is yeah. the definition of the playoff goaltending performance that you desperately need because that save was off the charts. But every once in a while, you got to have a save like that, Chipper. And that's the thing. I didn't see the game, but I saw that save. Oh. And, I mean, that's an all-timer. And, you know, a save like that, you can't overstate because how that could change a series. Just Absolutely a, a save, you know, it. and that's what that's what you have to have. That's what your goalie has to be able to do in a, in a playoffs. And whether you're, you know, in a situation where you're getting badly outplayed and he stands on his head for two periods to keep you in a game that you ultimately win or make a, a big save like that, that's, you're right, that's when we say <clears throat> your goalie has to win a game for you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to be Superman mm-hmm. and make a save like that. It was incredible. Yeah, but leave it to a wild player. you I got know. this wide open space and there's a damn stick in front of you and, of course, the, you put yeah. the puck oh, on the stick. My gosh, that was a great save. It was but, amazing. All right, boys. So, so last night I have I found yet another Golden Knights wild tie, and I actually did some r- reporting on, on this, but a tie in between the two teams. Should we do, we should should we do it when we come back? Should we come back with it? Okay, okay. I've well, but I have found something else that the Golden Knights were able to steal from us. Okay, we'll see if Chip has any burner Twitter accounts too. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, Roy Smalley at eleven thirty. Lou Nanny at the top of the hour too. It's a Thursday and uh, collar in the noon. Let's talk first about this 55-inch beauty in front of us. No, not Chip Scoggins. The TCL TV. (laughs) 55 inches of 4K resolution and a built-in Roku device, which gives you access to all kinds of streaming platforms. You know, I mean, streaming TVs have been around for several years now. I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years. I don't know when the first streaming TV came into the market. but, But now that all these content companies, including, I know, ESPN, has this ESPN Plus streaming platform where you can watch Tiger Woods round right now at the Memorial. You've got all kinds of great new content on these streaming apps, and uh, and it's so it's much more important than ever if you want to stay connected, stay up to speed, and, uh, and make sure you have access to have that built-in Roku device. No cords, no cables, none of that stuff. You can go into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and find out why TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. Just go watch. One of the TVs, you'll see four times the picture quality than your standard 1080p TV. You can also visit TCL. Mackie and Judd now continue. Just press play. On 1500 ESPN. Flurry at the edge of the crease and now the hash marks as it's still back in. And set it close. Oh, and there go. It was tough with a wide open net. Incredible stop by Braden Holtby. It's an adventure right there. Now watch this. The puck goes across. Tuck has a wide open net. And the paddle of the stick. Holtby. Let's officially welcome Chip Scoggins, <laughs> Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Hello. All right, Chip. So um, I found another tie-in between the Vegas Golden Knights and our Wild last night. During the course of the game, NBC showed uh, lots of shots of the crowd, and at one point they showed a shot of the crowd in which you could see a guy trying to get the crowd excited, dancing around and waving stuff. And I said, that's our guy. That's the guy that shows up on a random Tuesday night against Calgary or Carolina and and has 18 T-shirts on and starts to dance and get the crowd going wild. Yeah. No pun intended. And then he strips off a T-shirt and he throws it in the crowd and they go even more nuts. And then he strips another one off. I thought they've stole our guy. 
I did some inciting last night. Care to guess how much dancing t-shirt guy gets per appearance, for instance, here for a wild game? Is it the same guy? or the- It's the same guy. And, okay. How many and, teams? So and that's they, like, is that his full-time job? It's his full-time job. <laughs> he works three to four wild games per season, and I'm told he works approximately in the neighborhood of 150 games throughout sports so every team per season. Them? So he's used by, well, no, but I mean, he, he's used by different teams in different yeah. sports. And they bring him in. Now, I'm shocked. I'm sort of shocked that they brought him in for a Stanley Cup Finals game because there's so much going on there. I don't know that, that they need that. But if the Wild's playing Does anyone the ever Oilers, really need that, though, John? No, they yeah, don't. Exactly. Does anyone yeah, ever yeah. really need that? So, But if the Wild's playing Carolina or something, you know, and he's throwing his T-shirts around. But anyway, care to take a this guess? This guy who oils himself up. Am I thinking of the right guy? He's a... The guy who, like, winds up in a Speedo? No, this is not that guy. Oh. This guy never gets down you know, to that a speedo, as far as I know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's me in the press box. But this guy that's like, me in the press box the dancing around. So this guy who takes his shirt off, though, he's like a fat guy, But he's got guy, like right? 18... So basically, yeah, he's, he's like... not skinny. So basically, he's like Red Panda or Quick Change, but just does it during the game. And he does it during the game. And, oh, okay. And I'm, he thinking gets of a, up, I'm thinking of the fat guy who takes his shirt off. He's nowhere near as talented as Red Panda and yeah, Quick Change. Don't, yeah. don't, don't do that. Don't lump him in. He's the minor league. But yeah, so he <laughs> but he dances around and throws his shirt and gets up right, on a railing. It. And it's, it looks it looks to be a bit dangerous, okay. but that's fine. If he falls, he falls. I, I don't care. 500 bucks a game. I was going to say like a, a thousand or two thousand bucks a game. Does he get a couple thousand bucks a game? Two thousand five hundred dollars <laughs> is his going rate per appearance. And see, this is the problem now. You admitted yesterday that you're just afraid to take your shirt off in public, or you just don't want well, to. His shirt. The, you're no, passing up on no. opportunities for cash flow here, Judge. He, he never gets to his skin. He wears so many wild T-shirts that he just keeps taking them Wait. off, but he never gets to being okay. to so being bare chested. And he just does it the one time during the game. No, no, he'll do it for the whole game, like during a you know a puck will go into the crowd, and okay. then they'll go to commercial. So he'll do it an entire game. But my point is, this is also a good strategy to uh, not have to take luggage on an airplane. By the way, just twenty five, twenty five, twenty five hundred dollars per appearance, three or four uh, times for Chip and I are both the going to calculate. I, I, did I, did I did the math. I did the math. I did the math. If Depending now that this is before taxes, but if you take that appearance fee and extrapolate it to 150 games throughout sports per year, he's making $375,000 per year based on dancing in the stands alone. But I'm not done. I'm not done. It gets better. The Wild, at least I'm told, also pays for his airfare here, which he flies. He flies first class. And he stays... At the St. Paul Hotel. Wow. So when wow. he's here this for... This guy t- has to be, like, the smartest man in the world. So he's five-star hotels, first class, basically half everybody, the year Every team, he probably, he probably demands it. I contract, think he demands right? I'm sure he does, yes. So he's pulling in, he's pulling in uh, what, 350000 375000 So this has to be... I mean... Like, <laughs> $375,000? You see how quickly the audience... Look at Dave's face. As soon as Chip and I started to do the math on I know, the game, Chip and I couldn't get to our calculators fast enough so he does, to quit our jobs. So he... <laughs> So, and he doesn't have to. Let's, let's go to I'll business. Do it for cheap. Yeah. I'll do it for fifteen hundred. We'll start with high school games. Yeah. <laughs> so he does, fifty bucks. So he does hockey, basketball, NBA. Does I don't, he do baseball? I don't know exactly what sports he does, but well, I was just one hundred and fifty. Yes, but I was just told that I mean, it must be like bachelor parties. Bachelor I, party, I mean, I don't know. My insighting only told me it was a hundred. It was approximately one hundred fifty sporting events per year. Three hundred twenty five hundred per pop. 
first class Good airfare. I know. First class airfare and a five star hotel. You know, there was speaking of easy ways to make money. About that. And credit to this guy. This is an amazing scam yeah. that he's pulling, and people are rolling out the five star red carpet for him. There was a guy when Twitter was pretty new, like 2009, 10 ish, and there was a guy in the Twin Cities, and I can't remember the guy's name. And he launched a Twitter account. Let's say it had five or ten thousand followers, so it was in the infancy, but enough for like, we're okay. There's thousands of people found this account, and uh, and he charged day one through three sixty five throughout a, throughout a year. I will wear your T-shirt or wear a T-shirt with a logo or a message on it. It can be anything you want, but I will wear the T-shirt that you tell me to wear. On day one, it's a dollar. On day three sixty five, it's three hundred sixty five dollars. So I will wear your, hi, I'm Chip Scoggins. Go to chipscoggins.com shirt on uh, February 1st for, at that point, it would be $32, right? Yeah. And if you do the math on that over the course of a year, I don't know, maybe Intermax Max can do it. It's like a full-time salary. Because by the end of the year, you're charging 365 yeah. bucks a day. I mean, it's like, it's a good side gig. You take a picture with genius ways to make money, man. Look at well, us just it, sitting so in if, here right if now. If that guy gets 2500 what do you think Red Panda gets? Well, Red Panda's appearances are... We could probably Google that. Let me find that. She's also started to drop some bowls lately, and her bike got stolen well, her at bike an got stolen. What? And the bowls and the bowls dropped after that, but then somebody like the Warriors or somebody sprung for a new bike that was exactly like the bike that, that got stolen. Yeah, so her, her, her bike got to stolen. be like 5000 I would think it's... 10000 right? I would think it's a starting... The okay. five she also, she also does colleges. There's no way the Gophers are paying her that kind of money. I've got, I've got the figure. How much do you think Red Panda? What do you think? I Red would Panda? say if it's a, if it's a professional, I'm going to say five thousand. Ding, ding, ding! Exactly. Darren Ravel has it, has it sourced at five thousand dollars for Red Panda. But, but even for college, well, a college player, she does college basketball too. Right? Actually, the SB Nation yeah, quoted she's golfers, a, I think. yeah. SB Nation quoted a higher price here. But around five thousand, yeah. Ravel okay. says around five thousand dollars. But Red Panda has a very specific skill that is super impressive, yeah. and that I couldn't do in my wildest dreams. This guy just takes shirts off. We dude, all take our shirts off. Dude, guy is wearing eighteen wild T-shirts, takes one off and throws it in the crowd, and dances around, and basically gets up on on a rail and a seat and sort of suspends himself between the two and waves. I mean, there's no skill to that. I've never seen this guy. How long has he been doing this? I've never even heard of him. Uh, he's been doing it for at least three or four years, I think. But wow, but he but it's it, but it's 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 the arbitrary Wednesday night game in which they know that, that the crowd is going to be dead. <laughs> it's not a big game. Amazing. Which is why I was a little bit surprised that the Golden Knights brought him in for a Stanley Cup final game with all the yeah, stuff that they the already stops, have baby. going on. All so, the stops. But, but Red Panda, I would say, deserves exactly, exactly what she gets. Yeah. This guy is a genius and in no way deserves $2,500 per pop. <laughs> uh, another uh, advancement here of the best story in sport history, this Twitter burner account story, the oh five goodness, burner yeah. accounts for Brian Colangelo. So last night, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I think it was a Sixers blogger. Did you guys see the latest update? that his the wife, his, right? So Yeah, so here's a Sixers blogger somehow tracked down the email address used. I'm a little hazy on this detail, but somehow tracked down an email address that was associated with one of the three Twitter accounts that are still sort of in question. So Colangelo's wife's email, Barbara, I think her name is Barbara. Yeah. And, and this person entered, this is genius. They entered the email. It was a Gmail email, I believe, into the Gmail login screen. 
into the like the password change screen, which anyone could do. I could take Judd's Gmail and just whatever, and mm-hmm. and, and then and then I could try to change Judd's password if I knew his email. But then it would send a text message. It would prompt you and say, "Do you want to send a text message to?" And then it yeah. stars out the number and leaves the last two digits exposed. So for this, it left nine one exposed at the end for the person who tried this. And so then they found some sort of a press release or an email from some committee that his wife oversees, and she had her phone number in there as a contact, and her number ended in nine one. Oh boy! So. And, yeah, and so they, yeah. they tried it for all three accounts, and 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 the the last two digits of the phone number were nine one for both of the associated <laughs> oh, Twitter boy. accounts. Just like and now, could it be just another freaky coincidence? Uh, that's what Colangelo is going to claim. But so, do you think it's his? Do you think it's him using his wife's? I was born tonight, but it wasn't yeah. last night. <laughs> do you think it's him using his wife's email to launch new Twitter accounts, or do you think his wife is the one trying to defend him on well, social media? I also saw one uh, a thing last night where. One of those accounts was, uh, I think the one that he claimed was tweeting while at the same time he was giving a uh, press conference, which uh, some people noted that you can time tweets to come out later or whatever. So he's but, sc- scheduling tweets from like his fourth burner but, account. But you know to, you have a problem when. <laughs> but to me, that would that would more speak to is probably his wife. Right, but there's no, he, but there's no way he didn't know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he did. So I, I mean, she's privy to all of the information. Yeah, because you know, yeah. they're having conversations. Do you, do you think? Let's say it's his wife. Do you think he knew? Yes. Oh, most definitely. And he's yes. just telling her to go. And out if there. he, and oh if, my god, and if yeah. he didn't, so if he truly didn't, the only way to save his job <laughs> is to make it public that you're divorcing her immediately. <laughs> That's the only way to. If she, if oh, she's using whoa, tough talk here. If she's <laughs> using, talk. no, I'm just saying. If you want to keep that Sixers job, if she's using information that you have that you have given her that's completely privileged, including medical history and records, <laughs> then you say we're done, and I'm going public with back to All right. Let's earmuffs for Judd real quick. Dave, Max, let's get Don. Yeah. Let's test this. Let's see. Let's see if Judd sticks with her. Let's have Don send some tweets out defending Judd at fifteen hundred ESPN. We'll get Judd to find out about it. We'll see just how tough you are, Mister Romantico. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> Honey, it's over. <laughs> if if he doesn't, I love this job. If he doesn't, guess what? It looks like they conspired together yeah. to do this. It's that. That's how it's going to so look. He basically, if if it is if it's his wife, and if that's the alibi. If he doesn't say, oh, man, she went rogue and I'm going to disassociate myself yes. from my wife. Yeah. Either way, I think he's probably going yeah. probably to be done as the GM I, of the Sixers. I don't know how you can go forward with this guy. This is a top five sports story of 2018 without a doubt. Of in my 2018? Mind. It's what? Well, I'm just, yeah. it's, it's one of the great stories. I love this story. It's, it's so, there's so many tentacles to it that are so amusing. It's, it's the classic 2018 story that we were talking about the other day. Twitter is wonderful, but man, does it ruin careers. <laughs> it really <laughs> does. <laughs> it absolutely is. It, social media has ruined so many careers for people that are just dumb. I think they're not going to get caught with stuff. And how about the latest story from the, the Chicago Tribune story from, uh, from sometime earlier in, it might have been like January or something, or maybe it was late last year, where they, they tracked down this agency and all these people who are, or this website where you could purchase Twitter followers. And oh, was it yeah. Roper who got fired from the Chicago Tribune, or was it Sun-Times? It was I, don't a sun, know, I thought it was Sun-Times. a Sun-Times guy. Uh, but like, someone, someone, to your point, Chip, top movie critic gets fired from newspaper gig for purchasing 50,000 or 100,000 Twitter followers. And it's like, why, why would you even care? 
Uh, high school insecurity. Man. Yeah. I, I've always told Patrick, I've said, Patrick, if Twitter was around in your drinking days, oh boy. you'd be doing something else right now. If Patrick Royce, who is one of the great trollers of all time, mm-hmm. and, and for his age on Twitter, his stuff is off the charts great. But if you took Twitter to 1975 and said, okay, Pat, start tweeting. Can you imagine? Well, think yeah. about this too. Thirteen gin and tonics in. People were much, much less buttoned up in their in their beliefs and what they would say, and because because you know if you, whatever you, it was harder to get something out to the public. Think about what we do now to just young athletes. We'll go back and find a fourteen year old's tweets from his freshman year in high school, and if it was slightly controversial, it's a story for forty eight hours. Oh, imagine going back in the nineteen fifties and sixties and searching through people's. Documented commentary. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's like during the draft. You see it every every draft. MLB, NFL, whatever. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, they go back and find yeah. these what they tweeted as twelve year olds or thirteen. It's like, oh my goodness. But think think about. I, I tell my kids that I was like, you know what? It's forever. Yeah. Be careful what you put out there. I mean, I've said for a number of years on this show, insecurity is the root of so many problems. How cripplingly insecure do you have to be as the GM? You come from a basketball family. You're the you're the you're a longtime successful GM. You're the GM of a on the rise team right now, and you have five fake Twitter accounts, and or your wife is helping to run but at you least know what? two or three of them. I'm not completely shocked. Sports no. executives and coaches for do. for the level of success that a, a lot of these people get to, the insecurity and and the amount of things they care about that they shouldn't. That's what's always I've always looked yeah. at, at that and said why why do you care so much. About something that A, you can't control, and B, it's not going to ultimately win or lose games. I would be willing to bet you anything, the mortgage, that every executive and maybe every coach in this town, maybe not coach, but every executive <clears throat> has a uh, a burner account just to see what the media's tweeting, what their players are tweeting, what people are saying about their team. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't say they go in there and give sensitive information well, that's, and, and that's bad for their players. That's what makes it so outrageous. Have you but, seen but they, Sharif Floyd's back? But, but every, team, every team is monitoring Twitter to see what their sure. players and, and media are writing. Yeah. Chip's hanging out with us from the Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Lou Nanny in about a half hour. Roy Smalley uh, at 11.30. Today. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Hang on. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Hurry up! On 1500 ESPN. It's all- to Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Let's just say that it could cause Molly to start smoking. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. It is Backstrom. To Ellis. To Backstrom. John Carlson on to Backstrom again. Has Oshie inside. It's back drop. Score! On On the pass across. And it's 2-1. I don't know who started this. Actually, uh, Chris Long just retweeted this. So, nah, no, I don't. Someone, someone started this on Twitter yesterday or two days ago. The, uh, yeah, this is like like the New Orleans Saints are doing this now. Copy, paste, and edit your list, your personal favorite list, going back your entire life of uh, NFL player, Major League Baseball player, NHL, so all the four major sports, college football, college basketball. Golf, tennis, boxing, and wrestling. All right. We've been working on these during the commercial breaks here. Let's start with Chip on this. All right, who are your? This isn't, right. this isn't who you think is the all-time best. Yeah, just your, my favorite. Your favorite for each of those categories. Little little Twitter exercise here. In a stunning upset for the NFL, I went with Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> Never saw that coming. <laughs> uh, NBA uh, Jordan. Also Peyton Manning. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty good at baseball. Boxer. Too. Yeah, Peyton, Peyton Manning. Manning. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, NBA Jordan. Uh, Major League Baseball, Dale Murphy. 
from my childhood days. We I love that one. That's me. Good. Me and my buddies used to fight in the backyard to see who could be Murph in the wiffle ball games. Uh, hockey. This is the one I really don't. I didn't grow up with hockey, and so I, I put down Gretzky just because. Sure. He's you know he's Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Uh, NCAA football. Willie Galt. Wow. As a kid at Tennessee, I idolized Willie Galt because he was the fastest man I've ever seen run and. Was just phenomenal. I, that I feel like Willie Galt was he was he was a Raider, right? He played Bears, for the Bears. 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 Yeah. I, I think like the he, Bears drafted. He did go to the Raiders, mm-hmm. but I, I just remember him on Tecmo trip. Super Bowl. He was a yeah. Raider on Tecmo Super Bowl. But at Tennessee, he was just this speed burner wide receiver. Just loved Willie Galt. NCAA basketball. I I I had three, and this is from my like formative years when I was in you know middle school, maybe not yet high school, but I loved Steve Alford. I loved Stacy Ogman. But I'm going with Rex Chapman, King Rex. Oh, yeah. Kentucky. I sure. loved King Rex when he played for Rex Kentucky. Rex Chapman, who in the mid to late 80s. 90s with the oh. Suns hit that hit that fadeaway yeah. going to the right. Was it in a playoff game? He hit this amazingly yeah. clutch shot at the end of his career. But when he was at Kentucky, remember he was King Rex. Mm-hmm. And this would have been, what, mid-80s, 86, mm-hmm. 7, something like that. I just I loved King Rex. Uh, boxing, Tyson. Um, you know, high school years, he was the... You know, the biggest thing, uh, wrestling. I'm going with the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Yes. I see. Uh, you're, yeah, Mid- Mid-South Wrestling was yeah. definitely your territory, Gordon Soli, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that <laughs> or was, was it or was Smoky Mountain Wrestling might have been. No, uh, whatever it was on TBS. The uh, Well, the, that would be, so NWA, WCW. Are you talking yeah. early 80s? Or? Yeah, like with Gordon Soli was the announcer, and then yeah. you'd have... But there, you also had that Mid South territory where all these guys, like all of the the Ted DiBiase's, yeah, Ted, and they yeah. kind of formed their personas and then went to the big leagues yeah. eventually. So Dusty Rhodes was was my guy. Uh, golf, Tiger, and then tennis would be uh, John McEnroe. Okay, it's a pretty solid list there. A little mix of growing up and a little yeah. mix of uh, a couple newer guys there from when you're an adult. All right, Judd. All right, uh, m- most of these are from when I was a kid. Baseball. I'll start with Rod Carew who had such a sweet swing. Now, he was, uh, in his last a couple of years as a twin, when I started to watch him, but he was still a great player. Yeah, Football, one of the few people I've actually had a jersey of and wore it all the time, in third grade at least, Tommy Kramer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Tommy Kramer, the successor to uh, Fran Tarkington. Tommy Kramer. Wow. Basketball, I didn't really grow up with, with the NBA since we didn't have it here, but I'll go with Barkley. Barkley was fun. Yeah. Hockey... A lot of choices yeah, this for is, me. This, yeah, this, this one is, was tough for me. I'm going to go with uh, former North Star goaltender Jill Malash. Okay. Because wow. I, I had a North Star jersey as, uh, as a kid, and I originally had it as a Willie Plett, and then I soured on Plett a bit and got it switched to a Jill Malash. So uh, NCAA football, Herschel Walker. Yeah. Herschel dominated. was fantastic. Until he, until he signed with uh, Donald Trump's team, of course the New Jersey Generals in the USFL. NCAA basketball, one of the great shooters that the Gophers have ever had. Guy's still in town, Trent Tucker. Mm. Boxing, the heavyweight who was the successor to Ali, which was around the time that I started to watch, Larry Holmes. Mm. Wrestling, 
God bless a man who has hair all over his body. George the Animal <laughs> yes, Steel. Yes. George he would eat the, the turnbuckles. Oh, he would eat the turnbuckles, and that man that man had back hair that makes me feel good about myself to this day. You know what? Okay, I'm glad you brought him up because there was when I first started watching wrestling in the WrestleMania era, like the late eighties, early nineties, George the it's amazing the angles you could get away with in a different time in America. Yep. Like they they had an angle between Roddy Piper and Bad News Brown where it culminated at WrestleMania six and Roddy Piper wrestled half his body was painted black to mock his black opponent. Oh my god. And at the time it was, Oh, it's kinda of funny, like Roddy Piper and now it's like, Oh my god, you can't do that. <laughs> and uh and they had an angle where George Steele was was going up against the Macho Man Randy Savage and his wife was Miss Elizabeth. And the whole angle was based on George Steele stalking Miss Elizabeth. That he would just like he'd get distracted in the ring and he'd go outside the ring and just follow her around with his hairy back. And she would just that's not creepy of, at all. No, yeah, that's, no. that's really that's very cool. That's that's like, oh, yeah, George, that's George Steele was the good guy. Yeah. George is just a stalker. I mean, it's a, it's a character flaw, but I still like him. All right, uh, back to your list. All right, uh, back to my list. Golf. Tom Watson. Okay. And tennis with the wood racket. Bjorn Borg. Yeah. <laughs> the old wood rackets, man. I yeah. loved them. They should they should go back to those for they should just do one tournament. Yeah. They, just they, a wood racket tournament. Someone was telling me that they <laughs> did they, they even make them anymore. <laughs> well, they could they could just do it for one one a wood racket tournament, and then I don't know. Do they do this in the PGA? Do they ever have any special events where they just where you actually use the old wooden woods? Where like the instead yeah, of a, like a saying, three wood so. was a no. wood. Yeah, because we should we should I'm bring those out for one yeah. tournament. With the money involved in the, these uh, companies, I would say no. But if you just, but if you could, you could even have the Callaway Ping. It'd be you fun. Could, you yeah. could have them manufacture the clubs, and then they could be specially used for a tournament or something. All right, here, here's my list. There's some similarities here. NBA Michael Jordan. By the way, the fact that Michael Jordan was my favorite player growing up, and I'm also able to say LeBron James might be better. Like, if you're a Michael Jordan fan, have, you know, have some might have some yeah. LeBron awareness, I guess. Uh, NFL. So many options here. Randy Moss is going to be my yeah. my option because I was 12, 13 yeah, years old when he right came in the, the league. Right in your prime. And most exciting wide receiver that I ever saw play in his prime. Uh, Major League Baseball, it's a coin flip between either Kirby Puckett as anyone who's 33 years old, born in Minnesota, Kirby Puckett's your wheelhouse. But Sammy Sosa was my, oh, wow. was my 1A here. Wow. <laughs> These guys so disappointed These guys know about it. Yeah. Oh so, wow. I start. I I was absolutely in love with Sammy Sosa as a player that summer of '98. I, I we we'd be driving around, you know, going on family trips, and we'd get WGN's blowtorch signal. We'd be listening to the static to Sammy Sosa hitting his 60 <laughs> second bomb and trying to catch McGuire. Um, but then. Once we found out that his jersey was tight for a reason, and he also corked his bat. The cork yeah. bat is still the, the greatest. Yeah. yeah. Did so, you really need to cork the bat, exactly. Sammy? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Sammy Sosa, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, the mighty have fallen. NHL, Steve Eiserman. Yeah. yeah. So, I, and this is a lot from video games too, playing like NHL '94, NHL '95, and Steve Eiserman was this 50 plus goal scorer in the early '90s, and. So Steve Eiserman was Steve Eiserman, Sergei Fedorov, pretty much anyone on those Red Wings teams from the mid '90s. Because keep in mind, when I became this sports fan as a nine, ten, twelve year old, it was the gap between the North Stars yeah. and the Wild. Yeah. So the Red Wings were kind of it was either Red Wings or Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks were. I mean, the Blackhawks were. Didn't they have Ed Belfour in the but you could early see him on, '90s? You could yeah. see him on TV either too, right? What's the that? Blackhawks. 
Yeah. You, you already ever saw him on TV, dude. Oh, that was just locally when they did Yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. Nationally, he probably did. But yeah. so it was kind of, all right, what's the closest, this is the next closest team? And the Red Wings were. Well, those Red Wings were, how many cups did they win? Teams, Four know? or five cups yeah. in that era? Yeah. That's sad, though. Uh, NCAA yeah. basketball, <laughs> Bobby Jackson. Yeah. Bobby That's Jackson very, very solid. Yeah. Yep. NCAA football. So it, it it's tough to it's tough to pick it <laughs> tough goes. to pick a gopher. Yeah. Tough to pick a gopher. And I'm a huge Notre Dame football fan. Rocket. Jeff Samarja. Oh no! Yeah, I guess Dude, Rocket was a little yeah. bit early for me, yeah. and it probably would have been if I were born in 1982. Jeff Samarja. Jeff Samarja was one of the best receivers in the country for two years. He had like 30 touchdown catches in 0506, and it was that it was that Brady Quinn. Uh, you had the the Bush push game where yeah. Notre Dame was back on the map. Charlie Weiss before he went downhill, and Jeff Samarja was one of the best wide receivers in the country. Wow. Also saw him pitch at Notre Dame against Cole DeVries. Inside wow. the Metrodome in like 2000. So I just had, took a liking to Jeff Samarja, the shark, yeah. for some reason. Um, okay, golf, tennis, boxing, wrestling, golf, Tiger Woods, obviously. But yeah. the guy who actually, before Tiger Woods, the guy that I first started watching and like kind of hooked me into golf, this is going to sound re- ridiculous, Corey Pavin. Oh, for some Corey reason, Pavin. I just really like watching Corey Pavin <laughs> in like 1993, 94. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think Great back, stash, back by the way. For him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great yeah. mustache. Legendary mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Andre Agassi for tennis, George Foreman mostly for his grill. If I can't pick Rocky Balboa, <laughs> that's right, that's right. but George Foreman mostly for the yeah. uh, the legendary food manufacturing devices he made, and then uh, wrestling the Rock, yeah. and, and okay. his and his ability to cut promos. So yeah, there it is. I'll yeah, take all over Twitter these lists. My right wrestling, I think about when I was a kid, like every Saturday night it would be on for like two hours on on TBS or W uh, whatever. Yeah, and, TBS and. We'd have like, do you remember like Mr. Wrestling number two? With the mask? Yeah, with the mask. I <laughs> yeah. love those guys back then. Dusty <laughs> Rhodes. Uh, Judd has no idea what you're talking no, about, I but I'm no, all ears I, right I now. have no clue about that. <laughs> the, the Anderson Dusty brothers. Yeah, Oli Ole and, and Arn. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. Channel 9 here used to run um, wrestling tape delayed, I believe, on Always Sunday mornings delayed, yeah. here. Okay. And so that that's how how I got to like Bach uh, Bach Winkle Nick Bach so you're Winkle. Like AW, this is AWA. This for is you. AWA. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ours would be that would be appointment. But I us. actually I actually the, I think the only only card I went to was at Met Center in '85. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, George wrestled in that one. George Steele. Yes. George, okay. George Steele did. And I also recall the Twins had played in Cleveland or something. They flew home, and halfway through the match, here comes Brunanski. Herbeck, like three or four guys. They into love the, into the ring. No, 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 no. Oh, just okay. to watch these guys. <laughs> they, they could have, but they they loved it. They absolutely loved it. And so, like they they rushed home and rushed to the Met to go watch to go to this card halfway through. It was great. Don't give Bucks in a chair. He's not going to hit the not going to hit the oh, opponent. That was so obvious. So hurt. Hang on, Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Well, you don't really have a choice. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. All right, people, let's get ready. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Take Your Kid Fishing Weekend is coming up, and you can get prepared this Saturday by joining Jess Myers at the Tracker Boating Center in Shakopee from 9 a.m. until 11, and Chris Reavers at the Tracker Boating Center in Forest Lake from 1 p.m. until 3. Hang with the boys, check out the amazing selection of Tracker Boats, and sign up to win a $100 Bagley Baits prize pack. Plus... The first 15 people through the door can grab a complimentary pair of passes to the Minnesota Zoo. Details at 1500ASPN.com. Keyword events. 
Thank you, Dave. Lou Nanny in about 10 minutes. Chip Scoggins hanging out with us, talking old school. I love this. Uh, old school WCW from your Tennessee days. Well, it's fun to talk about like Dale Murphy or Judd having, you know, jerseys of North Stars. Um, you know, we don't get to be fans like in this profession. You know, yeah. we, we root for good stories, so it is kind of fun to kind of relive, you know, the days when we were and, fans. And when, when you think back to with those teams and players in particular and how you lived and died, mm-hmm. I don't know how I did it. Yeah. I don't know how I, I mean, I still, I still recall, I, I think it was the 83, 84, uh, Western Conference semifinals when Steve Payne beat the, uh, beat the Blues with a overtime goal in game seven. And I was just going nuts. And like, I look back on that now, I'm like, how to do that? It, you know, one of my, yeah, it's funny. One of my, uh, one of my earliest memories, even as a, as a kid, um, my dad had gotten transferred to Connecticut when I was in first grade. So we moved there for just one year, moved back to Cleveland, but we, we lived in Connecticut for one year. And for some odd reason, I have no idea why, but I fell in love with Thurman Munson. He became like my favorite player. And then when he died, I had my mom write a, a letter to his wife saying how, oh, really? I don't know if she mailed it. She probably <laughs> thought I was, you know, she probably, you know, I hope she mailed it, but yeah. it's amazing things like that that you remember from your youth that, you know, I have no idea. And my brother was a Mickey Rivers. Like, I was Thurman Munson. He oh, was I, love Mickey Mi- I love the Mickey. Yeah. Like For the, one year, we're there for the, the full Mickey 12 really. months. It's also funny how you get, when you're when you're a kid, you get attached to either teams or players that are, at the at the time, for me, it was, it was two in the in the early 90s. I was, for like two years, I was a diehard Charlotte Hornets fan because their court was awesome. And mugs, and, yes. And mug, I had I had a pullover starter jacket, a quarter zip starter jacket. And then and then the Cubs had, because I watched the Cubs all the time. My grandma lived in Chicago. And the Cubs had this utility infielder named Jose Vizcaino for like three years. Oh, yeah, he, was nice. and he was my favorite nice player. player. Just super random. Just before random. Sammy Sosa came along. Well, I mean, like I was saying, like all the kids, we all wanted to be Murph, right? Mm-hmm. You grew up, you wanted to be Murph. But when Bob Horner hit four home runs in one game, I thought he was Babe Ruth. Honestly, I thought he was the greatest player. It's Montreal, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought he was Babe Ruth, you know? And, you don't know any better. And as as a kid, you see these players, and you love them so much, and you think, oh, man, that's the greatest guy. And that's the weird thing when, when you start to cover sports, yeah. and you start to think, I know nothing about these pe- people. And I appreciate their actions on the uh, field or quarter ice. But when you're a kid, you get so caught up in thinking, this must be the greatest guy. Yeah, Bill Smith, a goaltender for the Islanders who won the uh, consecutive Stanley Cups, I'll never forget. Later had a very questionable general manager tenure with the uh, Minnesota Twins. Yeah, uh, Billy Smith played a game at the Met, and and my mom and I w- waited for him to, to come down, to come out after the game. And I was there, I was so excited. And we walk up to him, and I'm like, Mr. Smith, can I get your autograph? And he's like, I don't sign, kid. <laughs> And then, but then he proceeded to sit there for ten minutes and talk to us. He's drinking a bud. He leaves the can there. I'm like, I gotta have this can. I took the can, kept Seriously? it for years and, and years. <laughs> That's where you. But it's just little your things first like love that. Of beer. He said. He said the only thing I sign, kid, are checks. Wow. He said, I don't sign autographs. Don't oh, believe in that. All right, buddy. Uh, what's what's the longest or the most like noteworthy? Like, what's the longest you've ever waited for an autograph or the most like the most you've length you've ever gone to get an autograph? Ooh. I don't even remember. I, I'm sure I probably did, but I don't remember. There was like one, like trying to get Murphys or anything like that. Um, I don't. 
Normally, we were out there by seventh inning because it was, you know, 12, <laughs> 12 to 2. We got to go. And Dad was going to get going for dinner, home yeah. for dinner. I once waited. I, I have three lengthy wait stories. I waited three hours in line at Twins Fest when I was a kid for Kirby Puckett's autograph. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, waited probably an hour and a half, two hours after a Twins game one time. Uh, it was a Sunday game back by the players' parking lot at the Metrodome in 1996 for Paul Molitor's autograph when he was the first year with the Twins. And then uh, one time went to a some kind of a card or autograph show in Brooklyn Center somewhere. Was it like is it the Brown Center? Yeah, they or have those up yeah. there all the time now. Yeah. And they had Willie Mays in there, and you had to pay to get in. My dad paid Whoa. for us to get in. Waited four hours, Ooh. four hours, and got a Willie Mays autograph. So you know, I I watched him sign it and, it, and you look at the signature and it looks nothing like a W yeah. or a yeah. whatever. I saw him sign it. And it's an orange Giants ball. That's also the first day I ever met Dick Bramer, legendary broadcaster Dick Bramer. Who thought years after He's that he'd block, block you on Twitter? Twitter. <laughs> yep. I used to I, uh, in '83 or '84, I believe, keep score Twins games. Yeah. And I decided that I was going to try and get the pitcher who started the game to sign the scorecard. And I remember I got looks like, what the hell is this kid? <laughs> the picture for the twins? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, John Butcher was one. Mike Smithson was one. Yeah. I mean, we're talking journeyman, no-name So pictures. you'd wait outside the... But I, the... I would go in back because they, they they parked in back. And at that time, there, you know... There's no security. Security yeah. was they walked through a little gate and that was it. But they'd look at you like, oh, okay, good for you, kid. <laughs> who, was, who was the first autograph you? Do you, do you ever Do you recall the first autograph you? I would... It, I would guess it would have to be a brave, probably Murph or Horner or Benedict or one of those guys, but it it'd probably, I'm sure it was a brave. In person, my list uh, would be Carew. You know who, you know who was the nicest guy and signed everything? Roy Smalley. Roy Smalley wow. was the kindest athlete. Like he would sit there and sign and sign and sign. Yeah. But I'd say Carew or Roy were my first. My, uh, I don't remember which one was first. I remember the first two autographs that I've like physically collected in person. One was, a guy who listens to our show, he's a friend of the show, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, uh, one of the killer bees, yeah. wrestler, uh, legendary wrestler from the 80s. And the other one, we were sitting down, The I think at the time the Cubs, the Cubs were, it was third baseline. We were sitting third baseline at a Cubs game at Wrigley in 1992. And I went down and just, my dad said, go get, you know, here's a baseball, go, just go get an autograph. The bullpen guys are just sitting right there before the game. And I just literally went up and I tapped one of the pitchers on the shoulder Bob Scanlon was a middle reliever for the Cubs in the early 1990s. I looked up his stats. He's uh, 2.89 ERA in 1992 and uh, had 14 saves for the Cubs. You know, I, I, as I sit here and think about it, I think one of my first ones was uh, Tree Rollins. Uh-huh. I used to love those Hawks teams with Danny Round, uh, Roundfield, Tree Rollins. Yeah. Uh, is the pre-Dominique years, right? Because Tree is Tree, Roundfield. TBS uh, though, right? Yeah. Throughout yeah. the games. Yeah. Good stuff, dudes. This yeah, is a good, good session. Walk down memory lane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chip's guy. I'm getting a little terrified. <laughs> uh, go find him. Start to be start to be Lou Nanny will join us next. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Wow, the suspense. This is a cliffhanger. Mackie and Judd. Cliffhanger. On 1500 ESPN. 